Mandolin in Service of Stefan Osage. Hey family, it's good to be back. Welcome to another episode of Living in Service. It's been a good month on my end. Uh, how's it all been on your end? Have you guys been living? Have you been living intentionally? Have you been exploring, seeking, asking questions, getting better, getting stronger? Mentally, physically, spiritually, have you been confronting your fears? Have you been running away from your fears? What's been going on? How's it been? How's life? Uh, that's the whole questions that I think we must ask and at least explore and try to grasp. This episode was uh, very much in line with these questions these explorations. Uh, Jamie Piggins, where to start? He is a super nice dude. I really enjoyed having this conversation with him. He opened his home and we really got to go deep into his journeys and his adventures into endurance sports and what it takes to compete at the highest level in the field that he competed in, what goes on in the mind, what happens when you want to give up, how do you confront wanting to give up, what does it take to train, what's the consistency involved. We also explore a bit of his career, uh, his journey, where he's come from, and everything in between. I really enjoyed this uh, episode because it's pushing me in the bounds of where I wish to take this uh, medium and it also is a bit of informative for me and my crazy endeavors but I'll be talking about that on another on another segment this is all about Jamie today and again I thank you uh, Jamie if you're listening to this and to everyone listening I thank you because as I keep chiming on, I'm going to keep doing these. I'm going to keep putting these out. And I'm just going to keep growing uh, this this base and make something from it. So, yeah. Thanks again to Jamie. Thanks again to you guys, the listeners. And I hope you enjoy. Peace and love. Good that you can just, like, that's all you need. And you can just take it, film, uh, record anywhere. Literally. Yeah. And you can do it outside, which is like pretty good yeah like the quality these mics are so freaking good at what yeah. they do Epic. So, yeah man jamie uh welcome to the podcast real pleasure to have you on board um stoked that you could take the time you know and offer up your home uh, no worries yeah we just had a um ice bath sauna session and man i must admit that going into the ice bath for that last part and getting out of the ice bath, it was like equally like a natural high, equally uh, uncomfortable sensation, and equally liberating. Yeah, how good is it? I love it. Yeah, is yeah. it something that you practice quite regularly? Yeah, um, I try and have like 
the sauna or ice bath or like combination of the hot cold um like three four five times a week yeah yeah do yeah feel, i love it do you feel um in terms of when you started to now like your ability and resilience to be able to endure it longer like you're more you're more conditioned in a way and yeah, yeah for both aspects like separately the ice bath you're able to just remain so um calm in there yeah but also like the sauna you you, you get used to the hot yeah which is such a, a good um training tool for mm. like races mm. in the middle of summer or mm. you know going to different um climates or environments it's mm. yeah yeah really good have for you that. have you ever done any like form of training inside the sauna nah nah mm. unfortunately not yet um yeah. maybe i'll look at that one day but right now i sort of use it more as a recovery tool yeah cool yeah rather than potent, yeah. Eh? nah cool so yeah i guess i guess you spoke on it a bit about with the training and whatnot but it'll be cool to kind of start a bit um your story and kind of like bit of your background um what you do what you're up to and then we can kind of go down the path of your of your crazy adventures <laughs> Sweet, sounds so, good. So, like, what you born born and raised here in Piha, or what's what's uh, the story there? Yeah, I grew up in uh, West Auckland, Tatarangi, um, and then eventually found myself um, out in Piha. Yeah. So as soon as I got my license, I was spending more time out here than I was at school. Um, yeah. So eventually, once I moved out of home, moved out here, and yeah, it's been a been home ever since. Um, I've done a few winters down in Monica as well, snowboarding. But yeah, bulk of the time's been been up here in PR. Yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. So what what kind of compelled? Well, Wanaka first of all, what was it? you into? So I guess you do your um, your endurance sports. So is that something you're inclined to like outdoors adventures and like really extreme sports? Is that something you're quite into? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like in school, in high school, I was playing like playing football and and running were yeah. my main sports. Yeah. Um, and then after school, I sort of uh, stepped more away from, from playing um, soccer, football, and got more into like, got more into snowboarding. Like I'd surfed my whole life as well, so it was just a natural progression, like mm. board sports and um, had a good mate who worked down in Wanaka who was doing the same thing, like going summer to winter, getting down to Wanaka and working, and he teed me up a job at Kadrona. Mm. So I spent a few few winters going back down there working, snowboarding and um, coming up here and surfing in the summer. So it was a yeah, really good balance. Mm, okay. So I, I didn't really um, uh, chase that whole endurance um, type activity or you know sport until I was sort of in my mid-20s. So it's been a bit of a late onset for me. Um, but yeah, from, from then I've you know really found a good natural progression and um and pathway into into doing these longer longer duration events which has been really good yeah i was going to yeah. say that i could imagine it being kind of like a natural progression <coughs> exploring the alps the snow the powder the mm-hmm. surf going from Tatarangi, coming to piha and then getting you know bestowed with endurance how did it kind of come about initially what was the first kind of you know, dipping your toe in that pool, what kind of oh man, that I th- like. I've always really enjoyed running. Running for me has been the one real consistent thing that I've had in my life, as well as like as well as surfing. But um, 
sort of the they with surfing you're so dependent on conditions and living out on the west coast we have months and months of like southwest wind and big swell so it's not optimal for surfing so I'm a really active person I need um, need to do something every day and running is that one consistent thing that I can do mm. day in day out and have get the same feeling from um, so like I've always like actively ran but not competitively and then and then once I got into the um, fire service I has found that I had so much free time on my hands to, to train and that led me down the pathway of like get doing these events and, and um, really like pushing myself and finding out what I, I am capable of doing and you know where else I can go with it mm. so yeah it's been a yeah, you brought up the fire service. I definitely want to go down that path yep. a bit too. So did someone, but just kind of going back to that, the introduction, did someone like show it to you or you just happened to stumble across like the, like the endurance space? Is it? Yeah, I, so the very first thing I did in terms of um, like an endurance sort of event was an off-road triathlon. I think it was a, in about 2016, I, I did one over on uh, Mototapu and Rangitoto. Yep. So it was a, a 1K swim in the water, um, a 28K mountain bike and a 10K trail run. So that was a really cool um, introduction into sort of endurance type events for me. Um, I, I like to, when I do things, I like to go all in. <laughs> so I devote quite a bit of time to training and, and, and really I like to find out the process and, and, and what it takes to, to get good at those type of events. Mm. So I dived in quite deep and I spent, I, 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 I put a lot aside to, to try and train for, for these things. Um, so I just did that one, one off-road triathlon and you know, it did reasonably well for my first time. Um, the next year I did it, did a little bit better and eventually, I think it was about my third or fourth off-road triathlon. So I did the one, the Xterra triathlon down in Rotorua, which is the same format, like swim in the lake, mountain bike, and a, and a trail run. And I ended up um, coming second in my age category, which was, a, and that, that coincided with qualifying for the world champs. So I thought, no, stuff it, why not? Um, I was thinking it was like 30. 32 at the time, so still I was like, young. It's yeah, still young in the, yeah, in the game but, in that space. But for me, that was like I was completely brand new at the the nice. sport, so I think I was like, you know, really excited about that, and um, I yeah qualified for the world champs, which is over in Maui, um, and went over there and and competed. I ended up doing pretty well. Like I was pretty happy with my performance. Unfortunately, being new to the sport, I didn't know about um, the certain rules that they have. And uh, for warm water triathlons, you can wear something which is called a swim skin. So it's 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 basically like uh, a form of lycra or, or like a Teflon sort of fabric. Yeah, <coughs> kind of like neoprene. Nah. Yeah, it? it's okay. like neoprene, but. Yeah. So the one that I bought, which I thought was going to be legal, turned out to have um, neoprene in it. So, which 
you know, they uh, neoprene gives you buoyancy. And so it's, it's a, um, basically after the race, I got pretty much disqualified. So I ended up... Oh, man, that's <coughs> Yeah, sorry. I ended up um, finishing third in the race for the, for the whole thing. And then after finishing, found out that I was going to get disqualified. So I went through this whole, like, um, like performed really well, like, so happy with it, like, exceeded all my expectations. And then, like, 10 minutes later, I was, like, being told by the officials, uh, you know, you've, you've worn this. It's, um, it's outside of our, you know, rules, blah, blah, blah. How were they? How were they when they were they like pretty like gutted or were they quite like stern and like? Oh, they were quite stern, basically mm. because they 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 have to be. Like yeah, it was true. an official world champs. It was part of like USA triathlon. That was the the um, the governing body for that race because it was in the Americas. Mm. Um, but you know, after a little bit of disappointment, probably a day or two, I was like, you know what, it is what it is. Like. I still went out there, performed. I was gutted that I had that um, official title of being world champ for my age group taken away from me. But at the end of the day, like, so what? You know, mm. it's it's just a, a, a you know a, a title to that. Mm. But yeah, I was stoked with how I went, and I think that's it. Really spurs me on. Um, like I. I have that sort of belief that like if you don't if you don't win you learn like I I understand that in life there's winners and losers but when you're when you're doing these events if you yeah if you don't win if you don't come first you don't lose you learn yeah like there's there's so many aspects to those um, big events or or games or whatever that um, you can yeah you can really get some good takeaways and, mm. and and apply it for the next time around. Mm. I like that mentality. Yeah. That's really like mature. Um, it kind of reminds me of the adage, you know, that there's no such thing as failure, just learning. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I think <clears throat> the way I look at failure is that it's only a failure if you give up when you quote unquote fail, but if mm. you take the quote unquote failure but then you can see and learn and reassess and move forward with that in mind, then it's not a failure no more. It's basically like a stepping stone. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Was that, was that just kind of, you just kind of <coughs> thought that like intuitively or was that something you felt you, you learnt? Because uh, I, I just think, you know what I mean? Like at, yeah. at that kind of young age to be, because for me, I've... I've I've read this and heard this from a lot of philosophers and great mentors and the likes of Michael Jordan, for mm, example. Mm. I think he speaks a lot about this, of about what, what everyone that knows Michael Jordan knows all the points and all the successes he brought for the Bulls and what he did to that whole franchise and to the NBA, you could yeah. say. But the amount of times that he emphasises, like, nah, do you know the amount of shots I've missed? Yeah. Like and but I never knew it. I never saw it as a failure. I just saw it as me getting closer and closer. Yeah. So I learnt those kind of tools from those greats. But yeah. did you have that, or was it just quite intuitive? That mentality. I, I'd like to say it was quite intuitive, but I probably had learnt it along the way from different people. Yeah. Like I couldn't pinpoint one person that would um, 
that has has really um, instilled that sort of mentality on me. Yeah. Um, probably of, of anyone, like my mum has been like a really um, positive influence on my life in that way. Like she's an amazing woman. Um, the the things that she's done in her life and that she's still doing to this day, like, you know, are really incredible. Um, so, she, you know, probably learned a lot of good things from her, mm. which is, yeah, mm. which is weird because, like, she's she's not an international sports figure or, like, some great philosopher. She's just my mum. So, it's yeah, it's really quite cool. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you brought that yeah. point up. Um, <clears throat> before about like when you go into something you kind of go all in yeah do you feel that was kind of acquired from your mum's grit and her yeah or yeah, again yeah, was definitely. that something again yeah. that was quite intuitive for you um no nah, it's probably probably a lot to do with her as well yeah like from what I've seen from from her development over the years and, and um you know being a businesswoman and, you know, the th- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the reason I ask, it's just the type of mentality, you know, you look at, it's got real easy and common nowadays, just like you start something and then you can very quickly, I've, I even battle with this sometimes, I'm, I'm getting better, but just you pick up many things and you kind of don't go all into something. Yeah. It's almost like a type of yeah. frame of mind, like, and it also takes the type of person to see how far they can take it. For sure, yeah. It's like very unfamiliar. Yeah. And that territory is very unfamiliar. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It sounds like a real natural, healthy progression too. Like you, you kind of like, you got the bug that you kind of took the steps gradually, progressively. So I kind of want to talk a lot about the actual West Coaster race, but if you could kind of, canvas that and explain what it actually is because it's so fucking monumental and when I found out you were doing it because this is your second one correct yeah the, the coast to coast yeah the coast yeah, to yeah, coast yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when I found out about it and I think I first it first came on my radar when Richie McCaw um, competed in it yeah. after his rugby career yeah. he ended up going down that route and I think that was where word I'd heard of it and then I happened to stumble across you and then you know you came 11th outright which is yeah. fucking in this elite field, this this climate now, that's like, you know, not to blow your own trumpet, but, you know, it's quite a monumental feat. So if you could just kind of explain what the event is, what, what it consists of, yeah. and whereabouts it is and yeah. whatnot. Um, so the Coast to Coast race has been around for 40 years now. It's down the South Island. It goes from uh, Kumara Beach, which is just between Greymouth and Hokitika and goes through Arthur's Pass to Christchurch and finishes at uh, New Brighton Beach in mm. Christchurch. So the event itself is a two, two kilometre run from the beach to your first bike leg, which is 55 k's. And then you get to the run leg, which is 33 k's, which goes up and over Arthur's Pass, but it's off-road. And by off-road, I mean it goes up, it follows a river up and then goes down the other side following another river. So it's like, it's like rock hopping. It's not, it's not a run. It's like this most, yeah, it's quite a bizarre 
bizarre thing to call a run because um yeah you're you're rock hopping you've got no like your your running gait is so distorted because you're having to constantly look at your feet look at the rocks that you're stepping on you're crossing over the river like probably about 20 times on your way up to this hut yeah it's it's a pretty uh eye-opening course um so you finish the mountain run and then in the traditional year you'd uh, ride 15 kilometers to the start of the kayak and then the kayak goes 70k's down the Waimakari River through the gorge um, and then you get to the last bike leg which is 70k's so it's a pretty flat um, final bike leg into Christchurch and you're finished. And this is all in one day two people yeah. it's not like <laughs> you, you do a leg and then you have a have a sleep for the day it's yeah. all in one moment so how, how how what's traditionally like the average time oh man um so i guess the the fastest elite um guys have done it in i think about 11 hours maybe wow. just sub 11 hours for that like for that main a course um so the first year I did it, I finished in 12 and a half hours, which, you know, I had no expectations going into it. Like absolutely zero multi-sport experience. That was my first multi-sport race. Mm. Um, and this year, due to the like high river levels, they had to change the course. So which means they had a longer bike leg in the middle um, and a shorter kayak leg. So the race was still the same distance but it was way faster because we're on the on the bikes for longer. So we did 11 hours and a quarter. Wow. So it's yeah, a lot quicker, but. What, interesting. So the person that started, was it just some like gritty New Zealander that was just like, man, let's. Yeah, I, I don't know the full um, ins and outs of the, of the, yeah, of the yeah. history of the race, but I, I have, you know, an understanding that there was um, supposed to be, or there potentially is another couple of um, uh, iterations of that okay. event that could have happened but this was like this was the easiest course because the road follows the course pretty much the whole way apart from a little bit of the run and the river the river section the kayak yeah. section yeah I remember when we caught up for a coffee last week you were sharing um, when you're going up that like gorge gully section where you're rock hopping that you slipped or fell over was that that event or was this last uh, it was the previous year yeah oh, okay yeah okay. so i still want to tap into that yeah man because yeah. i remember you 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 telling me this and you bugged your you mucked your knee up pretty bad yeah. well enough to be like fuck i could be out here yeah and then you went into the zone where you're like man i'm, I'm done but then you mm. had this kind of retrospective moment where you're aware of where your mind was going, yet you were like, nah, i got to keep going. I'm yeah. just kind of curious, like, what, what was that, having to navigate that, and, you know, what was kind of, what made you overcome that, you yeah. know, or did you overcome yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, so, um, so that was, uh, well, yeah, oh, two years ago, um, so it was my first multi-sport race, um, so I was a bit naive and, the way the race works is like if you want to make the first bike leg 
as easy as possible and go like do really well you have to be in the, the elite with the elite guys off the start line so you have to run pretty fucking quick to make that first bike group how come because of the drafting it's, yeah because of, of the drafting yeah. and because of uh, yeah it's the most bizarre thing like you start an endurance event by basically sprinting off the beach for 2k's like I, I recorded it this year and we did like 2 minute 27 splits off the beach at like 20 to 6 in the morning that's 2 minute 27 per k splits. oh 3 minute 27 three, yeah, three, three, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. on sand yeah. too yeah up a gravel road up the sealed road to your bike yeah if you so, if people listening don't have any context that's that's pretty much like that would be probably most of your sprints. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. So yeah. if you want to make that first bike leg and um, bike group, sorry, and do really well, like do a fast time through the day, you need to be in that first yeah. bike yeah. group. Um, so I was a bit naive and I was like, fuck yeah, I want to be in that. So we did, I was in that first bike group and it was really quite weird. Like, um, I'd, because I'd never done the event before, I didn't really know how it all worked and like with pacing and strategies and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like I found myself in a position like with about 20 k's to go on that bike leg with one of the other guys who was like, I think he finished second that year. Like he's a top competitor, one of the guys that you know the pointy end of the race. And we were in a little breakaway group. There was three of us. And we eventually put like five minutes into the other main group with the other main contenders, like the other guys who like win the race or finish top five. So I was a little bit naive to this, but um, ended up getting into the transition with this other guy, Sam Manson, who uh, went on to finish second that year. Um, So to get back to where I got injured, so I was into the mountain run about 6k's in it's relatively flat up until that point and you're just running over like the riverbed basically crossing over the river a couple of times and I stepped on a rock rolled my ankle like done like absolutely toasted it I couldn't even um, basically couldn't even hobble on it for a, for a good couple of minutes and it was it was pretty bad I was like got moving again and eventually got caught by the, the next group of, of the elite guys that were coming through. Um, tried to jump in on the back of them. They were all running in like a bit of a pack, you know, following each other up and staying at the same pace. So I tried to jump in on the back of them to just keep myself going and keep focused on something else other than my ankle. Mm. Um, and unfortunately due to that, I ended up tripping over about a kilometre later and dusted my knee on a rock smashed my elbow fingers so I was like not only had the um <laughs> the rolled ankle but now my knee was done my my elbow was done and this was like two hours into a 12 and a half hour day so I was like fuck what am I gonna do you know I'm I've got no or like I'm in a pretty bad position where if I keep going it's the run gets harder from here on out but I've spent so much time training and like the sacrifice I've put into this and like the like the money was you know you spend quite a bit of money training and and getting down to the race even the entry fee alone so I was like in this hard position where I'm like fuck do I just give up 
Mm. Do I just walk back out to the to the previous transition and, and give up? Um, but yeah, like like I'm I'm either all in or all out. Mm. And at that stage, like I'd committed committed a lot to doing the event, so I was like, fuck, I've just got to finish. Like I've just got to get to the next um, transition. And from then on, it was like, yeah, I was in pain, but I could still move. Like, it wasn't getting worse, but it wasn't getting better. So I was like, fuck, just keep moving, just keep keep grinding, keep going. And like, getting to certain checkpoints in the race, like getting up to the hut, at the top of Goats Pass. This um, is the was, run leg, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was sort of like a little bit of a milestone, and I had like little things like that to look forward to because mm. I'd, I'd gone down and I'd done the run once before so I had these um, little points in my mind where I could get to and I'd be like, yeah, I'm that much closer to the next transition where my crew is. So it was like, it, it was really mentally um, challenging but I also had these little little things that I'd, I'd use to look forward to getting to the next yeah. next spot. Yeah. yeah. So you almost compartmentalised it. You broke it down. You chunked it. You chunked yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think that's another thing where we can almost like <clears throat> expand out upon and look at with life. Eh, like the journey. Like say, starting a business, man, a relationship with a partner. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever it may be, losing weight, anything like studying, like um, being a doctorate, being a nurse. Mm. That if you well, I think the mind, but we seem to inherently go there is that we always try to focus on the end point, like the, the end goal, but yep. then actually learning to sit back and kind of form your own little quote-unquote checkpoints, kind of like what you did, even yep. though it's, you know, there's so much suffering behind it and so much pain and, and so much patience is required, but it seems like the only way is just to kind of do it day by day or checkpoint or checkpoint or or one paper to the next or one sale to the next. Yeah. Yet we always like so quickly and feverishly try to jump to the end goal and then and then even when we do that, we almost forget that we're in the moment and the process too, that we kind of take ourselves away from that. Yeah, yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. It's interesting because when, when you're going through that, I'm curious, like, you, well, you kind of touched on it. Um, like, if you, if you expand out and look at where the mind goes, like, it's, it's a roller coaster, I imagine. But what, what's it like when you're battling those, those negative thoughts and the demons? I know you kind of answered it, but just for the listener to kind of get some scope because, you know, we all go for our own shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're all going to... Yeah inevitably be suffering through something like it's just the way life is fortunately um, or unfortunately I think it's very fortunate because it gives us perspective and the fact that it's inevitable having the tools to be able to navigate it and the mm. tools to be able to process through it so is there any if you were to like have have like a have like a formula like when you were through especially that period then where you're like you know I'm done Yes, you said that, yeah, the training. Yes, you said that you utilised the fact that, yeah, while well, you're here mm. and you can still step, but if you were to kind of make it even more granular, more more um, able to be kind of uh, in context to kind of everything, what would you say would be like a powerful tool for the listener? 
you know, people that are going to go through their own grueling. See, sometimes even a CrossFit session, right, it can be 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and you can get through one exercise to the next. And even just for them, someone just wanting to go through that. Yeah. Would you have like a little... For sure, tool? yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what, what would be a way, if you were to speak on it or even just even have a vision? Yeah. What would be a way you could expand on that, you know? It would, like, 100% and hand to heart, if I had not have done breath training with um, a good mate of mine, Dave, in the, like, in the years leading up to that event, I would probably not have finished. Wow. It's, like, yeah, we all know how to breathe, but it's, it's what, it's how you're breathing and the state that you can put yourself in just by simply shifting um, from being in a sympathetic state to the parasympathetic mm. state, like like shifting your nervous system pretty much. Um, so in the, in the couple of years leading up to when I did the coast to coast, I was like a bit of a guinea pig for, for Dave's um, training. And he had this sort of mantra about um, being or getting, getting comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So um, to, go, to go back, like in the middle of winter when it's freezing cold out of, out of Pihar, it's like howling southwesterly wind, massive swell. We were going down to the beach and running lengths of the beach in like waist to chest depth water, just in short, for like good 10 minutes, or no, probably even longer actually. And like ducking under the waves, so you get ice cream headache every time you duck under. But like using your um, your breath to stay calm in those situations, mm. and so like the cold the cold environment was like an external stress. Um, same with the ice baths that we just done. That that's the stress. So we we used um, the breath like a slow inhalation and even slower exhalation to shift in that that, that nervous system. Because if you got an ice bath and you started like hyperventilating, breathing really um, really quickly, you'd be in such an upregulated state that you you couldn't stay in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like going back full circle, like doing that breath training. Um, and then getting injured in, in the race, like it gave me um, a good tool, like a good tool to get me through to the next um, uh, transition. Like I was able to instead be focused solely on my injury and like, oh, poor me, like I'm injured. Mm. I was able to use that to just, just stay really calm, stay really focused. And, um, and, and honestly, like that got me through. Yeah. Wow. So essentially the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, for those listening that are wondering what um, <coughs> what Jamie's talking about, that basically just fight or flight, how we understand yeah, yeah, fight yeah. or flight. Yeah. So you can either, you can either, you could say, quote unquote, glide and fly with the sensation and see it as it is, or you could fight it. So with that ice bath analogy, when you go in there and you start to just go, <laughs> Yeah. You're fighting that. Yeah. Whereas when you fly with it, yeah. you're essentially accepting that it's uncomfortable and yeah. painful, but you're just still stabilizing the breath. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you could say, so again, for people listening, it's like 
when they're in that state, say the CrossFit session or they're in a real stressful, they're about to have a stressful meeting with a partner and they're about to close a business deal, you could say that just a simple tool of just almost stabilizing and mm. equalizing your breath could be a powerful tool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like the stress, the stress can be anything, but it's how you respond to the stress. Yeah. It's like that, the, the running and the injury was my stress. But I, I could control how I was responding to it. So that's what allowed me to like push through it as well. But yeah, that stress could be anything. It could be fight with your partner, it could be road rage, it could be it could be heat from a sauna. Like it's it's your relationship with stress and how you perceive that stress is um you know, and you can you can hack it mm. with for for Lack of a better word, mm. yeah. Do you have a um, practice? I, well, I guess you do. You basically do a sauna and an ice bath, but do you have like a meditative practice at all or something along those lines? Not or, not really anymore, yeah. like no hard fast. Yeah. I don't sit down for 20 minutes, half an hour a day yeah. And, and, yeah. and have to do it, fortunately. Um, but when we were doing that training, like for the couple of years, there were... There, you know, there was protocols that we put in place. Um, like after after a run, coming back, laying on my back for like five minutes and, and down-regulating my breath to mm. shift from that um, from that sympathetic state that I was in from, from going from a hard run and shift right back down into that parasympathetic state pretty quickly. That's, yeah, that's, that's powerful yeah. tools, man. Um, so how did you get hooked up with Dave? Did he just, is it just by chance? Because oh, you're locals? Yeah, yeah. So I've, yeah. I've known Dave since, um, oh, for like probably 15 plus years. Oh, um, okay. We both lifeguarded together, doing paid lifeguarding out here and just surfed together, you know, hung out. So it's been, it's been really good. So he was a, um, or he still is an advanced care paramedic, or sorry, an intensive care paramedic. Um, but yeah, he's he's shifted into this whole um, training. Like he's a really good business now. Like trains some pretty elite athletes. Israel Adesanya, yeah, yeah, of France, yeah, yeah. Carlos Solberg. Yeah, just a just a couple. <laughs> just just to name a few, yeah. you know, that in itself. So, um, I don't want to divert from you too much, no, but no. if if those listening are watching, like um, the last card with Adesanya. When he versed Forrest Whitaker, I don't know if, if um, you guys noticed when watching that the whole time he was standing up and he was nasal breathing the whole time. Mm, yeah, that yeah. right there is is tools and frameworks that yeah. Dave basically taught him. Eh? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 100%, basically yeah. guessing, yeah? yeah, because even just the ability to do that, but the discipline to mm. not want to sit down. Yeah, I could imagine how much that would have been such a such a contributing factor to him stabilizing and staying in that you know parasympathetic state throughout that fight one yeah of, you know, an important fight yeah i guess like with the with those fighters it's um the whole breath work is magnified because the, for five minutes they're in that full um that full fight or flight that sympathetic state mm. where in it like um any split decision could see them knocked out on the canvas you know so they have to really be cognitively aware during that time, but then once they get in between rounds, they have to down-regulate so quick 
shift back into that parasympathetic state. So that's where you see them like just mouth closed, nasal breathing. And with the fighters, we can see that because, you know, it's, it's, it's a quick um, event, but they need, to, they need to be able to shift and down-regulate pretty quickly between rounds, which yeah. is pretty, yeah. Yeah, it's so powerful because personally, myself, I've just um, started adding it to my, my training, pretty much all training I do now. It's all nasal breathing, mm. and, I, and I swear to swear on my heart, put my hand on my heart, that my ability to regulate my heart rate yeah. and if I get a stitch yeah. or my ability that when I'm in like a, even outside of training, when I'm in a stressful situation, my ability to kind of basically just stabilise myself yeah. and equalise yeah. myself, it's just night and day, the difference. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah and just like sleeping better and recovering yeah. faster and it's got so many good positive um, aspects to it but at the end of the day like it's just breathing and we we all think we know how to breathe properly <laughs> but we've we've diverted away from how we're designed to breathe like if you think about it your nose is on your face for one reason only like your mouth is for food your nose is for breathing and if you look at a lot of people nowadays their, f their faces have all changed from what our ancestors um, were. And that's because they're breathing, like they've got their mouth open 24 hours a day, you know, breathing through their mouths and it's, yeah. Yes, there's some amazing studies on um, yeah. babies yeah. and their development in the times of, uh, in the times of when they're like feeding, being breastfed mm. by their, their, their mother, um, that a big part of their formation of their facial structure, their palate, yeah. their their whole nasal cavity is all determined by their ability to suck on the teeth of the mother's breath, mm. breast. And this is purely because in order to do that, for those listening, if you could imagine you if you could imagine you sucking on something or even having an ice block, you'll notice that you're breathing through your nose. You can't mm. breathe through your mouth yeah, yeah. and take in the food. Yeah. So that whole uh, nature nurture thing that yeah. in a way that <coughs> now because bottle feeding has become so prevalent mm. you're um, unfortunately inadvertently retarding their formation of their proper palate yeah. and their nasal cavity yeah. it's a crazy study I read recently and you can't help but there's obviously that correlation now for us as, as, as adults yeah, as we're endeavouring yeah. out into these arduous tasks stressful situations our ability to down-regulate the stress and be able to nasal breathe, it kind of brings us back. But, well, as well as hopefully already having a proper formed palate and facial structure, mm. jaw structure, it's super fascinating how much these conditions and that we put ourselves in and how that can kind of respond and change and alter the physical, Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, Going back to the West Coaster, like, cause you're 11, which is like, that's pretty phenomenal, like in the elite category. So with just, just a question about the elite category versus not, is there an option when signing up that you can go into the elite category? Cause I'm the first to leave and then you can on the day or, or yeah. how does that work? So, so the first year I did it, I entered as, um, did the one day individual category and I was just in like the open age group, which is just, you know, everyone who's not elite basically. Um, so I did that event and, you know, I did pretty well. 
I was I surprised myself and then this year I was like I, was, I actually did it I actually entered the elite category as a way to try and guarantee myself an entry. I was real cheeky about it. So with the Coast to Coast, it's uh, um, uh, basically they opened entries on the, I think it was the 4th of April last year, and you had to be on your computer at 12 p.m. and the entry sold out within five minutes. So wow. I, I missed out on an entry again this year. Wow. So I put my name down anyway, put it on the... Um, the entry this year for next year uh sorry yeah previous previous one yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so i was thinking about it i was like oh so i was on the wait list i was thinking about i'm like man they must hold aside x amount of entries for the for the elite athletes because they can't just um they can't expect the elite guys and girls to sit on their computers and enter within you know the first couple of minutes of the entry selling out so I was like, oh, I'll just email the event organizer and say, oh, can I change my category to the elite? And I don't think it sped up my entry on the wait list, but all of a sudden I was in the elite category. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, you know, I'm just an imposter. I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I deserve to be in there, but I love to push myself and I love mm. to... Um, like if, if I'm going to do something like I said before I'm all in mm. and I want to I want to race against the best I want to compare myself against the best just to see where I'm at like mm. I'm no elite athlete I've got a, a full time job you know I love to go surfing I love to have a beer with mates you know but for, so for me it's just it's just a hobby mm. but I want to know where I'm at like I really want to know um how deep I can go, can I push myself that little bit more just by um, just by being in that elite category. So Nice. Yeah. I like that man. Yeah. Tactical. Yeah. It, it was full tactics right at the start, like to like get an entry. From from the go. Yeah. You, you require tactics in the race and then leading up to it. And yeah. That's a good it sounds like a real healthy approach. Yeah. So once you settled in, you're like, holy oh, shit, I got elite. So how long was the timeline of um, the training between um, the race and actually signing up? This this time round, I found out pretty early from being on the wait list. It was, yeah. I think it was like I had about four or five months of, of knowing that I was in the event. The previous year, I had like three months. So Jeez. like, yeah. So my, my training leading up to the first one was pretty intense pretty quick like all unknowns like threw myself in the deep end um but this time around like i knew the process i knew i knew what i had to do to do the event i knew all the equipment that i needed i knew all the nutrition that i needed i knew all the, like the layout of the transitions and the coast to coast is like this intricate logistical nightmare if you've never done it before like you have to get from point A to point B. You need all your gear. You need all your nutrition. So you need like you need like a really good uh, crew to help you, and they need to understand what you need at, at each point in time as well. Which is mm-hmm. like you need to sit down and work that out before the before the day. Preparing contingencies is probably yeah, yeah. your make and break. Yeah, you can't have probably one mode or one transition point. 
you probably need to have VAP and you need to have three backups, I yeah, imagine, for sure. or nutrition. You yeah. probably need to have your primary, but then you need secondary in case yeah. your gut doesn't work. And yeah. That, that's a huge factor, right? Yeah, you need to be so adaptable because yeah. nothing goes, well, for me, it seems like nothing has gone right in my two attempts. Um, so you just need to you just need to roll with it. You need to flow with it. And if you miss some nutrition or you can't keep nutrition down, you just need to keep keep going. And you need to have like a good positive mental attitude the whole time, or or that could get you down as well. Mm. Yeah, it's. So you said you said that the last two haven't gone <laughs> on right per se. What what don't go right this this one this previous um, race? So I've learned pretty quick that you can dehydrate yourself before the event. Hyponatremia. Hyponatremia, yeah, it's actually a thing. Um, so this year I started cramping real early on in the run to the point where it was like, this is bizarre. Like, like some, some points in the run, especially on the way down on the second half of the run when you're running downhill quite a lot, um, I was cramping up really badly. And that carried on right the way through the cycle, uh, through the next um, cycle stage and into the kayak stage. Um, so I managed to get through the day. I still did pretty well, like pretty stoked with it overall. Like if you told me um, leading up to the event, you're going to finish in this position, you're going to do this time, it'd be like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. But then things that happen throughout the day, I'm like, oh man, I could have done a lot better. So getting back to the hyponatremia, I, in the days leading up to the event, was over on the west coast and getting all the gear prepared and mentally preparing. It was really hot and quite um, humid because it's in February, middle of February. Um, so I was consciously drinking heaps of water in the, in the days leading up to the event, like, like staying on top of my hydration, or you know, so I thought. Um, and then... Yeah, and so I'd... Like both nights before the race, I'd go to bed at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, which is my normal bedtime. But both nights I'd be getting up like four or five times before midnight to, to go for a piss. Like I was busting. And like, I'm going, fuck, this is, it's either nerves or, you know, something else is going on. Didn't think anything of it and went into the race. Yeah, just, I, I pissed out all the good minerals and salts mm. and stuff that the body needs. So I was already dehydrated before the event started. Mm. So it's a good learning curve. I'll never do that again. Yeah. So how did you, like, navigate that? Because it's one thing to be cramping during an event, but to continue through it, it's, it's bloody hard. So how did you kind of, like, mitigate it, or how did you just endure it? Because it kind of just been mental grit, or was it just mental grit for you to get through it? Yeah, I think it was just mental grit. Far like, out. I f once I got into a good position on my bike where I wasn't cramping, I just have to stay there. And like wow. riding that middle bike leg was 115 k's up and over uh, Porter's Pass, so you're you're on the bike for I was three and a half hours. Wow! So I was just like locked into a good position, trying to stay comfortable, staying down the aero bars, and mm. yeah, it was a grind. It's a lot of climbing. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, so it was like a thousand meters of elevation up and over Porter's Pass to the top, and then down the other side you're going pretty quick. But yeah, what's that like? Three thousand feet plus. Yeah, over yeah, over a few k's. 
So <laughs> I kind of want to, um, well, I guess we touched on it, but I want to talk about nutrition a lot. Yeah. Um, but you, 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 in a way you touched on it, but in a way, where, where does your mind go on such a task? Like getting from point to point, right? I, I, you, you said you, in the first event, you kind of broke it down into, into your almost little checkpoints, mm. but like when your mind goes off and focuses on the end point or when your mind was super, super dark and, and frustrated and probably you could even say worried because you can die from hypernitrogen. Yeah, yeah. Those, those that don't know, it's basically overhydration. Yeah. So you're basically chelating all the good minerals in your body and you're taking in too much os- oxygenated um, substance and you're basically over oxygenating your blood so that that's an override so yeah. this is more you can essentially drown your organs <laughs> chelate all your minerals and you can die people have died yeah. from it so pretty severe in itself yeah so as you're going through that process like what was what was that where your mind was at and then how did you kind of navigate it you already touched on it but i'm still in this context i'm curious what what were some tools that you adapted or what I- you know, I going into both events, both years, like I, I really wanted to see how far I could go, see how far I could push myself. Like I've sort of up until the last couple of years, just had like sort of coasted through life in a way, like not to the point where I've had my hand out or anything. I've like, you know, grinded a full time job, you know, but I, I really got to the point in my life where I'm like, I really want to see who I am how far I can go and what I'm capable of just out of pure um, I don't know fascination of and fascination of endurance athletes like incredible what they can do so yeah I just really wanted to to find out what I'm, I'm physically capable of and through both those events, I was put in some pretty adverse um, situations, and to be able to come out the other side and and finish is is pretty incredible. But it's yeah, where the mind goes during those times is is a pretty interesting place too. Like you, you can be so dark and down one minute, thinking nah, I'm done and pulling out. But as soon as I get to the next transition, to being like sweet yeah this is this is awesome i'm loving the suffering and yeah it's it's a bizarre thing it's hard to articulate it is yeah like it's only then in those particular moments that you you do think about it and you you justify it to yourself and you really yeah i i I probably can't articulate it very well Mm. because it's Mm. not until you're in those moments that you you do realise. And unfortunately, for people who are listening, if you haven't gone to a point like that, you're probably hearing us and you're like, what does he mean? And unfortunately, it probably is one of those cases in life that you must experience it in order to know. Yeah. It's the only way. You can't read a theorised philosophy yeah. or some some segment from a book. Yeah. It's practical process yeah. that you must go through yeah because like you were saying you've experienced it just recently in your um ultra yeah and it's yeah i, I can't articulate it very well because it is an experience yeah. 
Yeah, it's profound, man. It's so yeah, to to basically close this chapter, it's it's almost you 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 can't just sit on the couch and wonder. You can't. Nah. Yeah, you you might. It's not even you have to. You must strive and seek a degree of discomfort, and not in a masochist way. I think there's got to be a key distinction here that people hear of people that do what it is that you do, mm. or, or 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 extreme athletes that you know. There's that Nims Purja dude that did yeah, the fourteen yeah, yeah. peaks. You could say that oh, he's a crazy guy. He's this. He's yeah. that. Come up with these labels. Come up with these words that makes you feel better because you're basically yeah. diminishing them because it makes you feel more righteous yeah. but it could just be waking up at 5am in the morning it could just be probably having a cold shower mm. that you you must you must confront that part of the brain that yeah just doesn't want to be there yet you must go through it yeah it's like going right back full circle to that being comfortable in uncomfortable situations like mm. what we what Dave and I did by running in the water in the middle of winter or sitting in an ice bath for like five minutes is you just you're, you, you need to train your mind to before you get in those situations or you, once you're deep down in that dark hole you won't know how to get out of it mm. so yeah you spoke about um, that Andrew Huberman podcast yep. when he said when he gets in an ice bath what was the word that you said he uh, he uses like walls, walls like a yeah. physical wall that you get to. So you, um, you could be sitting in the ice bath for like a minute and a half, then all of a sudden you'd be like, no, nah, I'm getting out, I'm getting out now. That's, that's what he refers to as a wall. So I haven't started implementing that yet. But he, so he, refer, yeah, he refers to it as a wall and he'll see how many walls he can get over in an ice bath. Um, instead of like giving himself a countdown timer of two minutes or something where he has something, you know, he only has to last for two minutes. He knows this time is going to go off and he knows he gets out. But if he can keep pushing through those walls, he can extend that time. And that's, that's like training the mind. That's training the mindset, which is, yeah. Mm, is so that sounds, that sounds super um, translatable. Yeah, you could almost create your own visual wall Mm. Um, we were talking about Courtney Dolwalter who's a ultra runner and she talks about it in a similar way and she talks about her pain cave which is essentially what we're talking about now about that, that mode of where we enter that state of suffering and she says that she forms that visualisation where she's actually chipping away at this tunnel yeah. and every time she confronts that, that degree of pain that's so severe and so intense that she starts to realise, okay, I'm now in the process of working and chipping and making my tunnel. Yeah. Creating like a visual cue for herself. Yeah. So. And mindset is such a fascinating area. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Like, yeah. It's endless. Yeah. It's endless, eh? Yeah. Um, so with the um, nutrition, I kind of want to tap into that a bit. What, because I'm aware... I'm becoming more and more aware, and I think the listeners are probably becoming more aware. I, I had a great podcast, uh, the second podcast with um, nutritionist Annalise Grimshaw, and we okay. spoke a lot about um, fat adaptation yep. and the benefits of utilizing um, that pathway to, uh, to, to, to have your body use that as fuel. Um, however, I'm also aware that 
the importance of glycogen, so carbohydrates, that that store, that, that, that store of fuel is better and um, beneficial for more of the high intensity uh, physical outputs. So in any one event, say a marathon or sprinting, you're never not using one fuel substrate. You're always going to be accessing one store. One more than the other, yes, mm. but there's always going to be that kind of yo-yoing effect. So with an event like what you did, I'm going to assume that fat adaptation was a component or, or not. And if not, is it something you've explored or what was your protocol in, in approaching this, this event or just even going forward? Like what, what have you found that works for you? Man, I've, I've never delved that deeply into nutrition before. Like okay. it, it probably like, you know, we talked about Courtney DeWalter, like yeah. I'm a eat everything and anything. Like I stay away from fast food and, and like heavily processed food, but man, I love burgers and pizza and yeah. Like I, I, I like eating food and I don't want it to inhibit who I am. Nice. Like, I think that's healthy. Bro. Yeah, like I don't have a, a bad relationship with food probably because I'm fortunate with my genetics. Like I'm not, I'm 60K, 62 kgs, yeah. But so I don't, yeah, I don't have a negative um, relationship with food and um, so... Yeah, I do like to eat everything and anything, but I, I do try and eat a lot of whole foods, a lot of good, mm. like vegetables and and meats and fruits mm. and you know, things like that. Um, where, yeah, unfortunately, my nutrition for the events has just been based on, oh yeah, I'll just give that a go, or okay. this this kind of works for me, so I'll just run with that. Yeah, yeah, like. Like, what's an example? Like, do you use uh, energy gels? Yeah, so... It's if fuels you're saying, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't used them um, personally. Like, I've yeah. used a, uh, a New Zealand company called Pure. Yeah. So, Pure. yeah, yeah. Um, I use their, their gels and their electrolytes. Uh, and that's just, like, what I've used in the past, and it works for me. So I've had no problems on them, like, taking, taking it. Because mm. that's another thing with, like, these long endurance events that, if you try something out of the box, that one day that you're doing the event, it could have like, um, it could wreak havoc on your um, your guts, and you could have to pull out of the event just because you ate something that you hadn't trained on. Um, so I think like nutrition is highly personalised, and everyone is so is so different, and what works for one person won't work for someone else. So it's really something that you have to. Um, be aware of and, and, and practice before your event too. Mm. Like, like take consuming those gels or eating some solid food when you're running. Because if, you, if you've ever tried to eat solid food when you're running, it's, it's, it's not good because you're trying to chew on something and you're trying to run up a hill and, or run down a hill and it's just sloshing around in your guts. And it, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it can go pretty wrong pretty quick. Oh, nice. Well, mean. I'll be. I'll. I'll send you some links <coughs> of the fat adaptation yeah, side. Yeah. Because what's what's beneficial? I don't want to go too geeky here, but um, you're basically your body's like even the most skinniest of human beings, the most skinniest of marathon runners. They've basically got like a ten thousand plus caloric um, store 
mm. reservoir of energy, whereas when it comes to carbohydrates, glycogen yeah. is about 2,000. Oh, okay. So that's why it depletes yeah. so quickly. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, your your liver glycogen and muscle glycogen, and that's why people tend to fatigue and crash. But fat, slower burning, longer burning, yeah. it's got that, that benefit. So there's a few links, a um, few amazing uh, scientific journals and articles I've read, bro, five and Yeah, years, for sure, is, yeah. Man, that might, yeah. bro, that might make you first. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's something I've, I'm going to explore this year is, um, is, is talking to a nutritionist and yeah. getting a, a coach yeah, just, nice one. Just like really um, trying to tick a few of those boxes that I, I haven't done leading up to the, the previous years. I'll get if, well, I'll get you in contact with my nutritionist. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah, actually did can. the second episode and she oh, focuses yeah. on athletes and sports nutrition okay. too. So Sweet. Who knows? Yeah, sounds good. Why not? Like explore for you. Anyway, yeah, yeah. diverging. <laughs> Um, you, I'm, I'm super keen to talk about um, your, your firefighting yep. because you said that and it's also a, it ties into another question that like they're balancing it, like balancing this sort of um, pursuit with daily life. Mm. It's, I think that's a lot of a big, um, I like to say the word excuse that people have, oh, I didn't have the time, yep. but for you, you've basically prioritised it and made it part of, in mm. a way. Yeah, say. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I've been a, um, a fireman now for the last eight years. And I think, no, I don't think I know that that has allowed me to um, have more time to train. Like when when I so going back when I first um, got into the fire service, I was like had so much time to surf, and I was that's that's what I wanted to do, you know. Like I had so we do two days, two nights, and have four days off. So that's like it's like half of my my life I'm I'm off work um so it, it was allowing me to surf way more but then at the same time like you know our weather conditions up here in, in Auckland especially out of Piha aren't favorable for surfing all the time so I was like what else can I do you know that I was started to go down that avenue but yeah um so the being a firefighter you you've you've got a gym at works so you you're paid to to keep in shape, you're paid to keep fit, and like I, I really, I really enjoy that side of it too because, like, you know, it's it's just good for your health, good for your mental yeah. health too to stay to stay active and, mm. um. So over those last eight years, I've really noticed a, a good positive shift in in who I am as a person, but, and also like, the person that I have become too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else do you want to go into with the, well, the firefighting? Kind of like, well, I'll go down that path, but just with the balance, because again, I think it's it's such a key factor, and that yep. word balance is thrown around when I also kind of play devil's advocate there, and I think sometimes you've got to be completely out of balance, sometimes you've got to be so extreme that there's no balance, mm. however it kind of forms a form of balance, yep. so I'm kind of just... Yeah, one just exploring that idea of like you're finding your own your own rhythm in in, in, in this in this chaotic busy world yeah but you kind of spoke on it though you've got you've, you've got time and opportunity yeah you know, right yeah 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 it's yeah. I mean it's a it's a great job because like you get to help people but you also get a lot of time off for yourself too mm. um, which you know, can be detrimental having that much 
time to yourself, but like a lot, a lot of people, a lot of guys in the fire service and girls, they have other companies, they have other jobs, um, or they have you know kids, and they can devote a lot more time to to their kids because because of our shift or roster system. So yeah, it is really good. Yeah, when yeah. you said the detrimental, I'm imagining the mental health component. Right? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, which is a huge part of. Um, you know what we have to deal with nowadays. We go to a lot of medical calls and we see a lot of um, a lot of death. We're exposed to to quite a bit, um, so that can it definitely has a negative impact on on your own personal mental health. Um, it's like PTSD. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because it's yeah. not just it, it it could be just one exposure to um, a particularly nasty event, or it could be like it could be something down the track that ticks off, you know, it, it's not just one one exposure, it could be just a, a cumulative effect throughout your entire career and all of a sudden it's like you're, you're not well, or you, you know, um, so as of, as of late there's been a really, really positive um, shift in um, being open about, you know, mental health within the, within the fire service because unfortunately like we have lost quite a few few guys and girls to, to suicide, you know, active firefighters and and like it's it's just become such a, a normal thing, unfortunately. Mm. Like and it, it really it really shouldn't yeah, it really shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier just in New Zealand for the international list, listeners were some of the highest rates of suicide in the world and particularly for males between the age of 24 and I think 32. Mm. I think there's that yeah. bracket and yeah. it's so severely high and it, the thing is it's the, 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 the use of the word mental health and the, the awareness around it is, is increased which is such a positive but unfortunately there hasn't been enough emphasis and enough uh, formulating actual modalities and formulating systems to start to actually address mental yeah. health. Yeah, there's some the great some great people out there doing really good things yeah. over the last couple of years, like um, Mike King. Yeah, yeah, he's a phenomenal guy. Phenomenal, like, like a real driving force behind um, mental health in this country and. Another uh, local guy you might know, Zane, that runs for all the brothers, the Instagram. Oh, yes, yeah. he started that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, him and another couple of people, yeah. but he's sort of the face of it. And, you know, they're great advocates for, for like, for mental health, basically. Mm. So, uh, you know, it is a really good positive shift that we are seeing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Now it's just got to double down almost. Yeah. But, you know, like, as guys, we just are still not comfortable talking about nah. our feelings and, and the shit that we're going through. And that, that's why, you know, that, that suicide rate is, is still too high, mm. you know. Mm. But I don't know what the right answer is. And Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. But I think what you're exploring and... and going down this path, I, I can't help but think that there, there is going to be utility there and benefit. Mm. You know, 
yeah, and I, demons do come up for you. 100%, it's, yeah. It's the process of... Because when you're giving so much energy to something, I don't mean, I imagine you have the energy to be like, no, go away, go away, because yeah. it's probably just so loud and so clear but you just need to you must just have to sit with it yeah and just see it and accept yeah. it yeah 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 it's like for me exercise movement is such a good tool for um for mental health like if, yeah, yes that's what i find anyway personally for, for someone else it could be like listening to music for other people it could be working on their cars or something but for me running riding surfing you know whatever is is my my meditation in a way yeah it's beautiful. like going out and running in the, in the Waitaka Ranges and just being alone and being like 20 k's away from home and you're just so in in such a good rhythm like it gives you a lot of time to think and a lot of time to process thoughts yeah mm. yeah it's beautiful um, yeah, I think it's just super important and it's something that <clears throat> we've just got to normalise. As I said, it is becoming normalised in, in this country and I think across the board, across the world. However, we, yeah, we just need to address it more uh, astutely and more aggressively in New Zealand and I think conversations like this are, are that guidepost to direct yeah. us in that, in that direction. Yeah. So important. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, as far as as far as what I was wanting to explore, you really you really tackled and um, brought it out. Uh, I'm so stoked. Uh, just one kind of ending on closing, you know, for people, <coughs> you know, it could just be the weekend warrior that just runs out and does triathlons. It could be the person that's wanting to start her own pottery business. Yeah. It could be the gentleman that's wanting to leave his corporation job and start working in a freaking organic orchard. Yeah. You know, it could be the person that's wanting to pursue the West Coaster. Yeah. What, what would be something you would want to say to them that just to start that journey, just to start the process? Well, yeah, I'd just just do it you know like it's amazing what you're you're capable of like it, you're so much more capable of what your mind limits you to like i i find it hard to articulate but yeah. f fuck anyone can do everything anything like just just go out and give it a hundred percent like com just yeah hundred percent commit and don't let that self-doubt, that, that negative self-talk infiltrate your your process or, or, you know, what you want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Spoken like a true stoic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of a man for words, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, just well, fucking, you've been full of it today, oh, bro. Oh, man, my... Like, Absolutely been full, full of the word. Like, it's been what it's needed to be and... I think for everything you've said, there's so much depth and takeaways, which yeah. that's the best thing we want. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm super stoked and like super um, full of gratitude that you would allow me into your home and to take the time. And I'm gonna listen back to this and be like, damn, I wish I asked him that. But 
I think for what we what we did and what you explored and what you explained, I'm I'm stoked to hear how people respond to this. Yeah, Because yeah. I think there's a lot of value in, in what you're doing and where you're gonna go. So if people wanna like follow your journey or, or, or see more of the journey, is there anywhere we could lead them to? Like, yeah, bro, yeah. Um I'm just on Instagram or on Facebook. I try and post stuff about my races or events that I'm I'm leading up to. So it's just Jamie Piggins on Instagram. Cool. But yeah, thanks so much for coming and having this, this chat. Yeah. Sorry it took so long, but life. Life. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we did it. It's, it's been cool. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, that sauna ice bath. I'm super keen to come back for a few yeah, more bro, sessions. Yeah, yeah. I nearly yeah, passed out, that. man, after that ice bath. It was very painful, man. Yeah. My, my head was, yeah, felt felt really uncomfortable. So it's definitely a place to continue to step into in the... In the same vein of what you're exploring, that comfort, that discomfort, it's constant. It's gonna be a constant journey. So yeah. for those listening, just just don't be masochist and animalistic, but do something uncomfortable today. Yeah. Um, maybe have all the windows down, even though it's cold. Maybe have a cold shower, maybe wake up at 5 a.m. Maybe talk to that person that you've been wanting to ask on a date and just go ask them for a, on a date. Maybe tell your boss that nah, um, give them your sign, your notice of resignation because you've been holding an off for the last year. Yeah. Maybe leave that job that you've been thinking about leaving for the last three years. Go do something yeah. that you want to do in life. Yeah. Like, You've only yeah. got one life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Over and out. Um, love you all. And we'll be checking in on the next episode. Stay living in service. And yeah, peace out. Yo family, how was that? How did we go? Did you enjoy the conversation? Did you take some notes? Were you a bit shocked with some of the revelations that were bestowed upon you? Yeah, I know Jamie, he's a damn good dude and I really enjoyed our chat. I hope you guys did too. hope you guys took something away from it. And I hope it um, gave you some value and a bit of insight as to what's involved and what it takes to to really push the limits, to really endure, to really grind through and confront suffering and pain and discomfort and to really consolidate your emotions and confront your emotions. This was a lot of what came up for me when listening back to this and when actually in the conversation with Jamie. So, yeah, I thank you again, brother, and... I look forward to more conversations we can have. So for everyone that enjoyed the conversation and want to support me in this podcast, if you could like, share, comment, all that good stuff, iTunes, Spotify, it's on Google Podcasts now, share it on all your social medias, even just rating the, um, and reviewing the podcast will mean the world to me and it pushes and uh, the and the algorithm pushes his podcast more, gets it out to a wider reach. So, yeah, if, if, you, if you have time in your day, you know, a few minutes, it would mean the world. Otherwise, just keep strapped and I'll be continually dropping more and more of these conversations and um, I'm committed to this. So, yeah, as the title suggests, love you all and be well, get after it. Live your life, live your life of meaning and don't stop.
Don't stop. Much love. Peace.